happy place. Hey, my name's Nat Taylor. Is there anyone I haven't met in this place tonight? Could you just give me a little wave so I can just acknowledge you? I've got some new friends up the back. Hey, and over here. Hello, welcome, welcome. And um, a friend of Andrew's is a friend of mine. Phil, good to have you here. Jazz, love ya. Lots of love for Jazz. Personal favourite right there. How good is it to be together in the house of God this Mother's Day? Kat, you've, explained, you've escaped the family and you've come out for your own Mother's Day service tonight. I commend you. Best thing we can do on this Mother's Day. You're wonderful. So good to have you here. Ah, it's good. God is in our midst. You know, um, coming into this Mother's Day, I felt to bring this word dream again. Because here's the thing, ladies, we sat under this banner all 2015, right? It was the, it was the overriding theme in our, all our Every Woman gatherings last year. And I just felt coming to this Mother's Day, Dream Again is not just for the ladies, it is for the gentlemen too, right? And so I've just prepared a word here this evening. I, I know it's going to stir faith in your hearts. And can I just tell you from, from the beginning, you have every right to dream again. Who told you you can't dream again? Who told you you can't have that thing that you really, really want to have that's been buried in your heart, some of you for a decade? Who told you you can't have that thing? Tonight I'm just going to stir up a little bit of righteous audacity in this place and remind us that, that we have every right to have that thing. Just excuse me, whilst I preach to 800 people in the future of Silverwater, I can just see them sitting up there. Um, do you mind if I just preach like there's 800 in the room tonight? Dorian's mum. Would you mind, Mrs. Sarkisian, if I just preach like there's eight, I don't think I know any other way. Apparently, this is the only way I know how to preach. So I'm going to preach to our future and our present here tonight. Amen. I, I feel like I should preach Dream Again too, in honor of the Parramatta Eels. I feel it is a word in season for our brothers over at Parramatta Eels. <laughs> oh, well, guys. Oh, well, the sun will rise again and they'll get themselves sorted out, right? Uh, so dream again. I want to read from this story in Acts 12, 9. Uh, Peter is miraculously led out of the prison by an angel. And this is what it says, Mr. Chris Heckick. I salute your brother and the family. It says, and Peter went out along following him and he was not conscious that was what was apparently being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision when Peter was let out of the prison he he didn't even realize that it was real he thought that it was a, a vision he, he he was caught up in this moment he was swept along he was being led out almost like an out-of-body experience but it was legit it was real. He was being led out of his prison into a place of freedom. And I just know that tonight that we're going to crash through into a new normal for many of us here tonight. Those ceilings and those limitations and those realities, it's, it's going to feel like, oh my goodness, I thought it was but a dream. I, I, I can't believe that this is real, but you're going to find yourself in a new normal. You're going to find yourself in a new reality, walking into a new normal. I just know that we're going to break some glass ceilings here tonight. Do you know some of us are living under some glass ceilings and they're not from the Lord, they're from the other guy. And for whatever reason, we've found ourselves confined and we've been sitting under this ceiling. Let me tell you, it, it's but glass. In, the, in a moment, in the power of his name, in the declaration of a truth, in the revelation of a word from God, that ceiling will be shattered in Jesus' mighty name. Perception is incorrect. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. 
Come on. You know, when you lift your voice and you clap your hands and you agree with the preacher, it's because our spirit actually agrees. And what happens is an exchange takes place. It's not for me. I don't need you to pat me on my back. I can go to the Lord for my confidence. My confidence is found in the Lord in one place. But the clapping and the shouting and the agreement is for your benefit because there is an exchange that takes place as I speak truth and it agrees with your spirit. And you vocalize and agree with your mouth and shout with your mouth and clap with your hands, what happens is your little spirit man takes a hold of that word as a seed and it gets buried in your soul. There's great power and exchange and interaction. We're on the same team. I'm working for you and you work for yourself. You take a hold of this. You lean in tonight. Don't get sleepy. Nudge the guy next to you if he starts to snore a little bit. We don't want him to miss out here tonight. Amen. I'm just believing that the weight of grief and doubt and fear and disappointment and condemnation, those things that have bound us to our yesterday are going to be broken in this place tonight. You know, the image that um, springs to mind is the movie Gulliver, you know, the man who went on the travel and to the little people land and he, he was laid out on the ground and the little people got a hold of him and they threw all these ropes and put stakes in the ground and this man found himself, he awoke out of a sleep and he found himself lying on the ground with all these little people around him and all these ropes over him and he was bound to the ground. Well, I'm believing as the word of the Lord goes out tonight that those ropes will be broken. They're not as strong as you think they are. They're not as powerful. They can't hold you like maybe they have. Grief and fear and condemnation and intimidation, those things will bow and shall bow at the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's good. Oh, you guys are good at this team sport. Yeah, baby, come on, come on, yeah. Amen. Psalm 32 to 3, it says, God, my God, I yelled for help and you put me back together. God, you pulled me out of the grave. You gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. He is the dream giver. He puts us back together. He pulls us out of the grave. He gives us another chance. This is the very nature of who he is. There is nothing that can defy the power of the name of Jesus. You know, in my life, I've seen some great dream again moments. Um, can I just tell you that um, time is not the issue? Time is not the issue, all right? Um, and, and, it, and it can't shut down what God has put on the inside of you. It's not a limiting factor. Time may pass, but it's not the boss of your circumstance, all right? There is someone greater than even time, someone that even surpasses time, and his name is Jesus. My grandfather, he got married the first time. Hey, we good? We here? Everyone's here? Got married the first time to my, um, my lovely nana, and they were together for decades and did great things together. And, um, and then she graduated out of this life. And several years later, at the ripe old age of 80, my grandfather married for the second time. Yes, he did. Can I just say, it's never too late to get married. <laughs> my friends, if you're pining, if you're concerned about time, the clicking, the clocking, um, the ticking of the clock, passing by, can I just let you know that my grandfather, if he got married at 80, there is, there is hope for you, friends. There is plenty of time. There is plenty of time. My, my dad actually um, did the ceremony. It was in our backyard in the Barossa Valley when I was a teenager. It was amazing. <laughs> and his, um, that wife, Nancy, is now 99 and continues to live in Adelaide. She's an absolute darling. 
And then there was my father, and he was a, a minister of the gospel for most of my um, primary and teenage years. And then through a number of circumstances, he had a, uh, he had a terrible heart attack and a triple bypass following that and, and, and found himself in this whole other season of life. And now my dad barely passed year nine at high school when he went through the education system as a young farmer's son. Uh, studying was not his forte, but he had a desire to teach on the inside of him. Both his sisters got their teaching degrees. When my dad was in his 50s, when he came out of that health crisis and found himself at uh, crossroads, what to do next, he went back to college, he got his teaching degree, and he's, he taught for over a decade after that. Time is not the issue, my friends. There is plenty of time to dream again. Amen? And then there was me. As a little girl, believe it or not, I was actually pigeon-toed. So I wore um, leather boots and rods, calipers, and my mum would put me to bed in the evening with these boots and rods to realign, to straighten my legs. Now, the legs are looking pretty good these days. They're all good. They're holding me up, and they're, they're pretty straight, which is awesome. I'm grateful for but the, the dream uh, was actually quite potent for my mother. And she would speak this scripture over me, Hebrews 12, 13, and cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths from your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths that go in the right direction so that the lame and halting limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured. Now, my mum would speak that and, and the 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 dream was in her heart for my limbs to be made straight. And it really mattered, actually, particularly because I grew up to become a dancer. So my mum's dreaming and praying and believing in that moment was a, a poignant part of my future. And I want to encourage everyone in this room tonight, not just the mums, but there is someone watching you in your struggle. There is someone watching you. They're looking up to you to see how you'll stand and how you'll believe and how you'll hold firm to the promise. So as you may be wrestling with your deals, just remember there is somebody watching. And in this case, the breakthrough was direct in the course of my future. My mum wouldn't have known when I was a little girl, three, four years old, that I would grow up to become a dancer, but she held the line. And a big, I spent a decade dancing. It wasn't just a, a blink of the eye. It was a significant part of my, of my journey in my life. So friends, let's agree to dream again, to hold the line, to hold the line on the, on the plans that God has placed in our heart. Amen. <clears throat> Time is not the issue. You know, and some of us will think, oh, I'm too old to uh, aspire to that dream, or I'm too young to pursue that dream. Well, can I just remind you here tonight that we are all um, credited to pursue the dreams that God has put on the inside of us. As Elizabeth was um, carrying a child and fulfilling the call that was on her life, at the same time, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the cousin of Elizabeth, who was much younger, was carrying a, the call of God on her life. Both the generations fulfilling the call together, as long as we have breath. We are called to arise and to fulfill the dreams that God has on our life. Amen? As long as we have breath, the young and the seasoned together, pursuing the dreams. And you know, uh, dreams have an evolution, don't they? They don't, they don't typically tend to pop and, and flourish and open up overnight. They have a, a journey all of their own. 
I remember being an 11-year-old girl sitting in a meeting like this with my parents and having the prophet in that meeting come and speak a word over me and, and tell my young heart, when you grow up, little girl, and actually he was speaking more to my parents and addressing them. And he said, when this little girl grows up, she's going to be a builder of the house of God. She's going to give her life to leading and building the house of God. And as the prophet was addressing my parents, God was speaking to my heart and awakening that truth in my heart. And I took a hold of it just at 11 years of age. But from that moment, from the planting of the seed, naturally there is an evolution for the dream, right? At 16, I found myself on a youth camp. I had a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. And I would say that is when he truly took a hold of my life in an undeniable force. Uh, and what's amazing, actually, in July this year, I'm going back to that camp where I met Jesus and I'm going to be speaking and ministering at that camp. How amazing is that? Come full circle. My sister is now the youth pastor there now. We've all grown up and we're all actually, you know, carrying some responsibility and doing some things. It's amazing. But in that place, I met Jesus. He got a hold of me in an undeniable way. He, he took a hold of my heart and every day since then has been given to his cause, the extension of the kingdom of heaven on earth. There is no greater cause. There is no greater cause. And then when I was 18, um, I... I got to college and it was like a wrestle at times in the evolution of the dream. There will be wrestling points. Uh, initially at 17, I was accepted into college to come as a dancer. And then within weeks of um, getting on in the car and driving across to Sydney, my parents sat me down and they said, Nat, we just don't feel like we've got the adequate funds to really undergird you for that year at college. We want you to work and save for this next year. And I just felt like the seed fall to the ground and die. And who knows that in the evolution of, the, of a dream, many times there's something of ourself that needs to die. There's something of ourself that needs to be laid down and let go so that the full force of the power of God can really move in our circumstances uninhibited, that we would get out of the way. My greatest prayer is, Lord, get me out of the way so you can do something through this life because this life is a mere breath. And if it's a mere breath like the Bible tells us, then I really want it to count. Do I have any friends in the room here tonight that would really like it to count? Amen. Amen. So anyway, that was my default year, and what I believe is that God um, is very kind and very sensitive to where we're at, and sometimes he withholds the promise until we are ready to honour it. And I know in that year, he grew me up a little bit. I need to detox some selfish ambition. I need to grow up a little bit. And he was kind. He held me off. I was like a bull at a gate. I really wanted to be in Sydney. It's like he had his hand on my head and I was like kicking up dust. I just wanted to be in Sydney. But he held me back for my own sake. Something died. Something matured on the inside of me. A year later, finally, I crossed the threshold of C3 College. I made it. And it was such a great win because there had been all this testing and trying on the inside of me just to get there. Who knows that the dreams evolve? And that was birthed in an 11-year-old heart. It was like watered on a 16-year-old. It was tested on an 18-year-old. When I was 26 years old, with Sienna just seven months on my hip, Hudson and I walked into this house. 15 years after the planting of the seed, we walked into this place and it was like, oh my goodness, this is what you've made me for, to build this house. And it was the, it was the graduating day of that dream, the landing day of that dream. And here we are all these years later, almost 10 years later now, 
building faithfully here at Silverwater, the fulfillment of a dream, it will not more than likely happen overnight. But if you can entrust the hands of a sovereign father and lean into him and negotiate with him and let him stir you up and let him, him wrestle out the kinks, then the landing day will come, my friends. There will be a landing day. There will be a promised day in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's honor him here tonight. So I want to ask you here tonight, what is your opponent? Sometimes we think in the contention for the dream, we think it's a person. And sometimes it may be uh, expressed through a person, but more than likely it's something else. It's a spiritual force. The Bible tells us we don't contend with flesh and blood. It's higher powers. And we need to remember and be switched on and be discerning and be awakened to that because otherwise we're going to find ourselves knocked around with all these circumstances. But if we can quieten ourselves and ask, what is that opponent, Lord? Give me discernment to articulate and to identify exactly what that opponent is in my circumstance and actually to begin to pray and address it um, as it is, not the person. Shouting down the person isn't likely to change very much. But if we can be um, mature saints, awakened and aware of what's in our path, what's trying to defy the dream that God has given us and rather address that thing, then, friends, we will see a different outcome, right? Amen. If you're going to clap, clap like Jesus is coming soon. Now, if I'm honest tonight, my, my uh, opponent in my little journey from 11 right through to now, I would name it intimidation. Now, that might surprise you, friends, because I get up here and I yell at you <laughs> and I dance all over the place. Well, friends, that is me shaking off intimidation. That's what it looks like when somebody decides I will not be cloaked by intimidation. Rather, I will be cloaked with a power that comes from on high. I make a decision on the inside of myself. I'm going to get under the anointing. I'm going to stand in the authority that Jesus has given me. And I'm going to be about the business because when I get up here, I'm actually fighting for the people. I'm fighting to awaken the people. I'm fighting to call out greatness for the people that they wouldn't walk out the same as they came in tonight they would find themselves encountering a mighty God in this place I'm awakening the people in this place and I can only do that under the power of the anointing I will not be intimidated I will not bow to intimidation I will not be quiet I will not be silent that's the nature of intimidation it tries to shut down your voice friends I don't know if you're acquainted with intimidation we will all have our own appointment because the Bible tells us in John 10 10 the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and enjoy it and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. There are two forces at work on our life. One for good, for fruitfulness, and the other guy who we don't like to talk about too much. We don't want to give him too much glory because he doesn't deserve it. Do you know why he steals? Because he's got nothing. All he can do is steal. He's got nothing. All he can do is attempt to steal and take for himself because he's got nothing in his swag. He knows that he's already lost. So he spins the nature of our days. God is supreme, a higher authority. All he has is the ability to disturb. All he's able to do is to go in and disturb and cause a bit of chaos. That's the only zone that he has. And if we can blockade and get upright in Christ, he won't even have authority in those places. We will find that we will not be intimidated. We will not be touched. So I, I met intimidation first when I was 11 years old 
via my best friend turned bully. Anybody got one of those in their past? Yeah, so great girl, creative. And it was like um, somewhere as the call of God dawned in my heart, it was like parallel to that, this relationship turned sour. And, and she began to spread rumours around the schoolyard about me. I became quite anxious and overthinking because um, trust had been broken. I didn't know when I, where I stood anymore. And it really, it undermined me at the time. I felt anxiety creep into my young heart. And I got the first taste of intimidation at a young age. And, uh, you know, and then later, um, when Jesse was a small baby, um, same thing again. There was a correction and... Um, intimidation was there, anxiety crept in, and I found myself, um, it's like a switch got flicked, and my voice was shut down, and power left me, and I found that I was unable to recover internal rest. There was this whole season when Jesse was a small baby, which was is a blur, to be honest. It's a blur, and there are a number of reasons around that, but partly because of this state that I was in, I couldn't be present. I wasn't completely free to be present in the moment because of the nature of intimidation and anxiety that came in to try and get a hold of me in those years. I'm, I'm bold, but I'm soft too. And sometimes people misunderstand who I am because I'm a little fiery lioness up here, but I'm incredibly soft as well at the same time and I can get impacted as well. My challenge in that time was to find my voice, to reclaim my voice, because it's like the effect of intimidation is to close down the voice and to dis disempower you and to disarm you. You know, I came as a kid from the country into this city church. I felt very ordinary landing at Oxford Falls. I was a simple country kid. I barely wore makeup. I had like one outfit that I would wear on the weekends because I was a poor college student, didn't have a lot of cash. So I had this same outfit that I wear every weekend. And um, I remember going to youth on a Friday night and just feeling like everyone was off the scene of Bay Baywatch. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> Blonde and blue-eyed and the accessories and the shoes and the outfits. I just felt so ordinary alongside them. And I came into this um, environment which was genuinely intimidating. But what I have found, regardless of how I felt, I made a choice in that season. I will continue to show up to the house of God. I will not allow a sense of rejection or intimidation to, um, to out me from the house of God. The house of God is my safe haven. So through that season, I just kept showing up, kept showing up, kept showing up to the house of God. And what's amazing in God, in his faithfulness, has slowly elevated Hartley and I. We came into the masses of Oxford Falls and then we found ourselves appointed over different um, weights and responsibilities. And many times now, sitting at the boardroom table and even there, I felt um, intimidation is... Uh, Sometimes it's within a culture, sometimes it's just a spirit that overshadows a gathering and I felt it there, my opponent again, staring me down in that place and my challenge has been to find and recover my voice. Here's the thing, friends, didn't we all come out of the womb screaming, right? There was no issue with our voice back then. So what happened to my voice? What happened to our voice? We had no trouble using it at high decibels 
when we came out of, the, out of the womb, when we were birthed into this world, did somebody tell us to be quiet one too many times? When did we stop articulating our unique expression, lifting up our voice, magnifying Jesus? When did we get so neat and tidy and, and, and stuck into some tiny little mold that that's where we thought we were meant to be? Why did we begin to flow? And when, in the midst of all of that, did we lose our voice? Well, here's the beauty of the power of Jesus. He will recover even our voice. When it's been silenced, he recovers it from the inside out. That's what he does. Pairs of declaration and authority and audacity are birthed from the inside out. Proverbs 28.1 says, but the uncompromisingly righteous are bold as a lion. If you want to see the walls come down, if you want to face off with your opponent, let's say it's intimidation. It may be fear. It may be condemnation. It may be criticism. It may be negativity. It may be small thinking. You know and the Holy Spirit will be illuminating to you even right now what your opponent is. But as we begin to pray, those walls will come down. Amen? Amen. And here's the thing. As prayers become your habit, miracles will become your lifestyle. Amen? Amen. You know, Psalm 32, that scripture I read at the top end says, I yelled for help. There are some prayers, my friend, which are not meant to be uh, timid and softly spoken. There are some prayers that need to come with an audacity and a conviction which is birthed out of your spirit. The same kind of sound you made when you were birthed into the world. Some prayers, when you really want to take a hold of your household, when you really want to take a hold of your future and not be moved about by circumstances, need to come out of the substance of faith, the strength of the spirit that's on the inside of you. Friends, if there's one... Uh, one, uh, you know, thing in our culture that I think doesn't serve us well here at Silverwater, and there are many that do. There are so many admirable qualities about Silverwater as a community. We are, we are love. We are warmth. We are kindness. We are generosity. We're sacrificial serving. We're all these things. But if I can articulate one thing that I believe does not serve us well, it would be timidity. Like we are, we are a room of happy servants, but sometimes when we're called out of the parameters of our comfort zone and rather to lift up our voice and fight for something and express something and go after something and not settle for an ordinary life but actually go after the things that we want to see in our future. Timidity, I believe, is the thing that we need to bust. We really need to shout that thing down because it has no right in this place. You will not have an ordinary future. God does not do ordinary. He does magnificent. Hands down, magnificent. That's who he is. You know, I think in the story of David and Goliath, um, David's greatest weapon wasn't the pebble that hit Goliath's head and took him out. It wasn't past experience, although I'm sure that was invaluable in that moment. David's greatest weapon when he faced his opponent, Goliath, when he faced intimidation face to face, it was the internal posture that he had on the inside of him, the knowing the Lord is the victor. There was a clear conviction on the inside of him, the Lord is the victor. It doesn't matter what that opponent is because at the end of the day, every knee will bow, every opposition will be defined by the person and the power of Jesus Christ, amen? And it's that internal conviction, it's that internal knowing 
which is an absolute game changer, friends. And I'm believing that will be imparted into this room even tonight. I'm going to ask the band to come right on up here. You know, how do I conquer it? How do I conquer intimidation? I'll tell you the truth. Even as I came to bring this word to you tonight, because I believe the enemy knew I was going to disarm some things here tonight. I was going to expose him here tonight. I felt intimidation again. I'm like, are you kidding me? Haven't I dealt with you properly and good before? How dare you show your face again? And what I did is I go to the place of prayer. I find myself playing from boldness out of my spirit. I get under the anointing. I'm just being transparent with you tonight. I too am flesh and blood, and this is what it takes. Judges 6.34, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with himself. The Spirit of the Lord clothed you with Himself. When we come under the anointing, it disarms those things that will want to get a hook on us. It disarms intimidation. We are clothed with a power that comes from on high. That's what it says in Luke 24. But remain in the city until you are clothed with power from on high and that same power is in existence in this room tonight and it's going to flood the room as you come to the altar in just a moment and you're going to find that things begin to break off you trains are broken in this place long-standing strongholds are going to be broken in this place tonight and you're going to find yourself free of those things clear thinking confidence on the inside you're not meant to live under that stuff you're called not to an ordinary existence you're called to be free and it happens by the anointing of the Holy Spirit in us and on us. Isaiah 43, 19 says, and I want to just speak this out to every brave dreamer in this room. Maybe it requires incredible audacity for you to lift up your eyes and dream again because the circumstances are so dark, they're so broken, they're so barren and only the Holy Spirit could reassemble bones and breathe life into them. If he did it in Ezekiel, he will do it with you. And it says in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not give heed to it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of a wilderness. The goodness has been stripped back. The fruitfulness has been stripped back. Well, the promise of the Lord tonight is I will even make a way in the rivers in the desert. It's His very nature. He's a miraculous God. He brings life and recovers and binds up and breathes new hope. Even in this place tonight, I'm believing we're going to lift our eyes. We're going to see and take a hold of the miraculous in this atmosphere here tonight. Why don't you just stand to your feet right across this room. Lord, I thank you. You are that God. You are the one that makes streams flow in barren places. You are the one that makes a pathway where we're in the thicket, where we can barely see beyond our own feet. It's your very nature to make a way. It's your very nature to come and turn a circumstance by the power and the goodness of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that right across this room, you're illuminating, Lord, to people answers and strategies that come only by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, you're releasing them creatively across the room right now. You're showing people a new hope, a new dawn, a new day. We will not be inhibited. We will not be limited. We're rising above. We're letting go of the old. And we're perceiving and we're seeing a new day. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Friends, if you can see and name your opponent, if you know what it looks like, if you've been sitting in your seat, you're like, I know exactly who that is. I know exactly what that thing is. I want to be free of that thing. I will not live under the thumb of that thing any longer. Then I want to call you out of your seats onto the altar tonight. I know as you respond, as you step out onto the altar tonight, chains will be broken. Freedom will come in this place tonight. There's going to be new clarity. There's going to be new peace. Some of you can't actually say what that thing is because there's confusion and there's deception working and partnering with that thing. And it's clouding the clarity of what that thing is. All you know is that there's a disturbance and there's a lack of peace and a lack of calm. But as you respond tonight, as you come out of your seat, you're going to meet with the Prince of Peace. You're going to find yourself embraced with a peace that only comes from heaven. Our striving will not produce what heaven can only produce. So I want to ask you to come. I want to ask you to step out of your seat right now and put yourself on the altar here tonight to dream again, to perceive again, to be free again. Maybe it's just that you want to uh, enlarge the place of your territory. You want to branch out, not be inhibited, not live in a safe, comfortable zone. You want to dream again, heaven's dreams. You want to take a hold of heaven's perception for your life. You want to run in the dreams and the purposes that God has for you tonight. So come. So come.